Welcome into another episode of Earning Their Stripes. My name is Danny Martinez, and again, the whole gang is here. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to give you a long introduction because, quite frankly, we have so much to talk about, whether it's Gallon's debut, Yamamoto's continued success, a bunch of promotions, our segments, whatever the case is. So let's just go into it, right? Uh, Ethan, I'm, I'm going to let you go first. One of our guys, Zach Gallon, gets the call up at St. Louis in front of his family against the team that traded him away. Five yeah. innings pitch. One earned run, five hits, struck out six. What did you like? What did you see? I mean, at the end of the day, it was a success- successful debut. But talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I actually wasn't able to watch the game. I was doing stuff that night, but I saw the highlights. And really what I saw was the punch outs. And that changeup is pretty nasty, man. I mean, he had that thing working. He got Goldschmidt with it. Uh, he looked He looked good. Like his secondary stuff looked really good. Uh, his line is pretty clean. Um, he gave up some hits, but only two walks, and he he limited damage. You know, which is the thing that we're looking for for a lot of these guys when they come up. And you know, it's a thing that we'll talk about with the Yamamoto in his last start. But it was just good to see him. And you know, he talked about. I saw like a pregame interview with him, and he talked about how you know when you get drafted by an organization, you expect to make your debut in that stadium and in that uniform, and. He, he said it, you know, there was definitely, a, it was on his mind a little bit. And I think you could see that. And he came out inspired and he, he, he threw a gem, you know, you could, you could are five innings of one run ball and six K's against a good lineup. Like he, he would pitch really well. So really exciting to just see these young guys come up and Ellie Iser has kept dealing and yams had another great start that we'll get to. So just exciting to see these young guys at the big league level and just watch another guy on TV that we, you know, have been waiting to watch for uh, a couple years now. Yeah, it was awesome. I don't think uh, the Cardinals want to see another one of our rookie pitchers for quite some time. Nope. Because, uh, yeah, this has been a good week for our rookie guys. Um, Gallon was exciting to see pitch. He looks like a guy who couldn't get anybody out when he stands on the mound, but he comes out there and throws this disgusting off-speed mixed with – I mean, his his fastball was mixing around. I hit 94, was sitting 92 most of the game, but – the off speed was moving like like I wasn't expecting it to, and it looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like like Ethan said, the changeup was filthy. I mean, the first couple K's he got. I mean, he had Goldsmith, Gold got Goldsmith, I think, in the fourth inning on like a three two changeup in the dirt, which yeah. was which was super nasty. And I mean, ballsy I was too. Not expecting mm-hmm. that. Yeah, he was getting out extremely good hitters on some filthy pitches, and he looked great. It was great to see him come up there in front of his family and pitch like he did. And just the continued success from Yamamoto and Gallon has been awesome. I mean, this week in Marlins baseball has been probably the most fan excited I've seen in a really long time. So it's 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 been fun. I mean, I'm glad we're here to talk about it. Yeah, I think it's interesting how, and we hinted at this last week, and it just continued over this week. All of a sudden, the, the tide is turning a little bit. People in mm-hmm. Miami are okay saying that they're Marlins fans. The national media is starting mm-hmm. to realize that there's something happening here with the pitching, and there's even up there some offensive marks at the major league level that we won't get into now. But it's exciting to see the, the I guess, the fruits coming up, man. I mean, Yamamoto, and we're going to get to him in a second. Gallon, we've been seeing what Sandy can do. It's nice to finally see yeah. some validation and yeah. some fruit of the rebuild because for a while, all we had was Brinson, and that wasn't exactly yeah. going the way of the Marlins. So it's nice to see that. I'll add my two cents with uh, with Gallon, and it's going to be something that I'll repeat with Yamamoto as well. You know, him coming up here and having just allowing two walks, only two walks, is really impressive. 
um, you see these young guys come up and to have the control and the composure, which was a key yeah. word with Yams, to be able to pitch to these impressive lineups, say whatever you want about the Cardinals and not hitting the way that they're supposed to. I don't care. It's still Molina. It's still Goldschmidt. It's still Azuna. It's still Carpenter. Them being able mm-hmm. to have that precision with their pitches, not allowing the anxiety to get to them. And even when it does, like with Yamamoto in that first inning at Philly, being able to overcome that. Uh, Yams goes to Philadelphia and he has a great outing again, right? In his last two starts at St. Louis in front of 40,000 people and then at Philadelphia in front of 40,000 people, 12 innings pitch, two runs allowed, four hits, 14 strikeouts to six walks. Three of those walks came in one inning. All right, and that's yeah. pitching to a 0.95 ERA. Not just the first, uh, not just one inning, the first three batters of yep. the game. Yep. And he ended up walking just one more the rest of that game. Yep. And he got out of that inning with just two runs allowed. So, again, a lot of composure. I'll let Ian go first on this one, but Yams continues to show us. Um, exactly what we were hoping to see, even if we were a bit surprised that he got called up when he did. And then I'm going to want Ethan, because you actually put out an article today on Yams as well, to talk a little bit about that. But Ian, go ahead and give us your thoughts. Yeah, I, was ac- I actually missed this start, but what I talked about when, when Yams was called up was uh, the biggest thing was working out of trouble. And after watching mm-hmm. the highlights of the Philadelphia game, it's exactly what he did. He showed his bulldog composure on the mound like he does every night and really just dominated the mound after that shaky first inning. Um, it's, it's the type of stuff you'd love to see, especially when he's at the highest level you can go. Um, Yams is showing extreme composure right now. I mean, he's already three starts in, and I wouldn't expect him to be making these three starts right now. And he's looked miles, miles farther ahead than I expected. And seeing this off-speed mixture he's throwing to guys like Bryce Harper and JT Avramuto and Juan Segura and, and names like that is just exciting. I mean, these are some of the best hitters in the game, and, and Yams is making them look foolish. So it's very exciting to see this guy pitch like this, and um, I'm seeing what he can do going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I put this article out on Yams today. I wrote it last night and this morning, and um, this has that Pablo feel. I finished the article with that, right? Is that this feels eerily similar to the way that Pablo exploded onto the big lead scene last year, where he came up in an emergency situation, made the start, dealt. Um, we didn't know how long we would see him for. And now, um, you know, obviously he's down on the injured list right now. But, you know, I think a lot of us expect Pablo to be a player in this rotation for uh, many years to come. And that's what I wrote about in my article today was just that Yams is – how are you going to send this guy down right now? You know, he's thrown 19 innings. And I think the most impressive thing um, – and, again, I said this in the article – was the the strikeout numbers because he was on here and he told Eli and I that he doesn't really see himself as a strikeout guy anymore, right? He went to Arizona and we asked him about the adjustments he made and he said that him and his, his pitching coach got together and were just like, look, like – I'm not, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to strike out 13 every night, you know, like I did last year. Um, this year, at least, I'm not really a strikeout pitcher. Um, the batters are getting a lot better. Um, they're just hard to learn me more because they have more video on me and all that stuff. But for me, it's I've talked to my coordinators and my pitching coaches. It's more I'm more of a weak contact pitcher. Mm-hmm. I'm not a very big strikeout pitcher anymore. It's more of just hey, here here's the pitch I want you to hit and um, go hit it. You know. Do do what you can with with my pitch instead of 
I send them me throwing a pitch and, and they take and they take it and they wait for their pitch, you know. So now I've, I've, I'm trying to make them hit the pitches that I want them to hit. He's getting guys with his off-speed stuff, which has looked great all year. And he's also ringing guys up on the fastball and putting the fastball on the edges and getting guys to swing and miss at, you know, 93 and stuff. So um, he's looked filthy and he's looked composed. And, you know, we talked about in the first episode, I think, where we said, what were we going to look for from him? Ian just brought it up, the composure and how he works himself out of tough situations. We hadn't seen him get into any early trouble uh, until yesterday in Philadelphia. And he gets into a bases-loaded situation with no outs to start the game, and he only allows a single and then strikes a guy out, gets a pop-out and a fly-out, and that's it, you know? And the rest of the way, he cruised pretty much, and his line turned out impressive. So, um, oh, man, it's been so good to see. And like I said, like, we, you know, we, we talked about, well, how long is this for? Is this a two-start, a three-start thing, like, He's made three starts now, and he's through 19 innings, and those numbers, you know, a .95 ERA, 2.45 fielding independent pitching, um, you know, a ton of strikeouts, like 19 strikeouts in 19 innings. Like, how, how do you send this guy down? I don't think you can because, you know, if, if the – you know, he's not going to throw seven scoreless every night, but if he's going to throw something like what he did in Philly every night, that's really good from a middle-of-the-rotation guy. And, uh, you know, that's probably what we all expect Yams to be. So I don't know how you can send this guy down right now. I think you just got to let him keep pitching. And, you know, worst case scenario, he starts to struggle a little bit. He wasn't supposed to be here anyway. You send him down for some fine tuning and bring him right back up, kind of like what's what happened with Sandy at the end of last year. So, ah, this has been awesome. I mean, it's just so exciting. And he's been so good that it's just, you know, it's the future. And like you said, Danny, like it's funny how – a couple guys make a few really good starts and then all of a sudden everybody starts getting back into the Marlins and now they have the third best ERA in baseball and everybody's like, look at what's happening. Something's actually happening with this pitching in Miami. We've been yeah. telling you guys for a long time and now it's, it's happening and it's here and it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. And if it sounds like we're preaching, it's cause damn it, we are preaching. Like it, it, this is a freaking a incredibly exciting thing to see that Yamamoto, number one, friend of the show, right? He's the first yes, one that sir. really came on. And, you know, Ian and I, of course, Ian, brother, like you and I couldn't be here to do that interview. So Ethan is the one that was able to do the interview with Yam. So the first one to really be able to go out and be um, who we wanted him and expected him to be. Yes. You know, we, we talk now about the fact that the Marlins have the third best starting uh, staff ERA in baseball. I think it's top six with FIP, so it's not like it's just all about the defense out there. It, over their last, I think, 35 games, they're 20 and 15. That's a 90-win team. I, that's, I know it sounds yeah, ridiculous. Obviously. And, and, and this isn't not an MLB podcast, right? Yeah. But the reason I'm saying that is because look at whose backs it's been on. It's been on the young rotation pieces mm -hmm. that we have been speaking about and the Sandy Alcon trials that we would have been speaking about if we had this podcast last year. So for those that think we're excited, damn right we're excited because there's a reason for us to have this excitement moving forward. Um, it, I, I don't want to rant because I won't. Mm -hmm. All I'll <laughs> say is that it's impressive to think that even the Sixto Sanchez and the Edward Cabrera and the Rogers and the Holloways, like they're not even here yet. 
Yeah. It is going to be such a good problem to we have. We still got some. We still got some time. That's crazy, yeah. man. It's like yeah. we still have, you know, two or three years before some of these guys make their first appearances. So we forget about Nick Nider too. He'll be back. Yeah. Soon. He's going to throw. I mean, he, he didn't do nothing but throw the best in the, in the system last year. So yeah, we'll see what he'll do when he's healthy when he comes back. Ian, I, I want to stick with you because you sent out like, uh, you know, you're just a magician with this tweet a couple of weeks ago about or actually last week about the promotions that were going to take place. Right. And you hit them all on the mark. I mean, was, I'm telling you, it's like you actually know what you're talking about. I always say that on this podcast. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the promotions that have happened in the system as we transition from Yams and Gallon to our minor league boys right now, because there's been a lot of promotions and a lot of exciting things with the GCL kicking up, with Batavia kicking up last week. Uh, t- tell them a little bit about who you're keeping an eye on. Well, I mean, it's been exciting. I mean, every level you look, and it seems like every day it's a guy or every two days it's a new guy on, on a roster. And, um, the three guys I really wanted to see move to the next couple of weeks were Robert Robert Duggar, Chris Valamont, and Ever Cabrera, and it's all happened. Uh, Robert Duggar has already made a start for New Orleans. He he went five innings. He had six strikeouts. I think he had two earned. He had a quality start. It was a good night. Um, I think they lost after he came out, I believe, but um, he looked good. I mean, it was his first start in Triple Eight. He looked great. Valimont, I think, took the loss yesterday for Jupiter, but again, looked well in his first start. He was a, a fifth-round pick last year in the draft, our first pitcher, and he came out and dominated so far to start the year for Clinton, so it's exciting to see him get the early <clears throat> promotion to Jupiter and to see what he can do for the rest of the year. And my guy, I mean, the guy I'm the highest on out of anybody, I think, is Edward Cabrera. I've been pushing this promotion for weeks, and finally he got his call to Jacksonville, I think, I believe yesterday. I, yesterday, I, I wasn't yeah. even... Yeah, I was out in St. Augustine, and I didn't notice it, so I got back to my car and got super excited. So I'm stoked to see him up there. I think he'll be making his start on Thursday or Friday this week, so um, I'm excited for that. I'll be tuned in. So that's the guys I'm looking forward to. The GCL started today. I, did, I didn't make it, but we got some exciting guys down there. Nassim, Tristan Pompey's back on the field playing. So it's been a really exciting week, man. I mean, I know you guys got some guys you want to talk about, so I'm going to leave some for you. So. Ethan, what do you got for me? Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy week, man. I mean, just, you know, guys flying all around. Uh, one guy, I want, want, two guys I want to talk about specifically are Burdick and Edwards, two of the draft picks. Um, I think Burdick was the fifth rounder and Edwards was the 10th rounder. Um, they were in Batavia for no more than a week. I don't even think Edwards was there for like three games and then was in Clinton immediately. And then Burdick was there maybe a week uh, and he's now gone to Clinton. So that's really exciting to get those guys up to high A ball where I thought they should start in the first place or uh, low A ball, excuse me, but uh, you know, up, up a level. That's really good. I think there's a good chance if they hit well there for a month or so uh, they could see the end of the season out in Jupiter. Um, Gerard. Yeah. I said Jacksonville because I just think, you know, he dominated so, so much this year and hit for so much power in Clinton that it's just like, you know, is there even a need for him to go to Jupiter? But I think getting him there, yeah, I I think getting him there, though, has been good because the bats in Jupiter kind of woke up this weekend um, and they had a nice week. Uh, I'll talk about some of that a little later, but I'm really happy Gerard got moved up. It's about damn time that he got moved up. He's another guy I think can make another jump. He could be in Jacksonville by the end of the year. 
Um, Riley Mayhan moved up. He was having a great year in Jupiter, one of the only bright spots in the Jupiter lineup this year. He went up and is hitting really great. well um, in Jupiter or in Jacksonville, excuse me, hit a home run in his first game. And then you talked about Valamont. He kind of disappointed in his first start, which is fine. No big deal. It was his first start there. Um, but Humberto Mejia had a really nice uh, – he came in in relief and pitched like four really good innings uh, in Jupiter. And um, and so that's exciting. Both of those guys belong in Jupiter. And, uh, yeah, and then Duggar had a nice start. So ton of guys moving up, a lot of movement around the system. It's that time of year. I think we'll see a little bit more here. But I'm ready to get Blade in here, get him to Jupiter or something, and – um, see some of these other guys. I'm really excited about the GCL roster. And yeah, it was a, a crazy week, man. It's so much excitement. Yeah. And this won't be the end of it. I mean, there's going to be a lot more promotions before yeah. the end of the year. You know, Tristan Pompey's down there because he was hurt. I would assume that him Great being game. in the GCL is more about him getting his timing back and rhythm yes. back and that he'll eventually be back up to wherever they place him, maybe even to Jupiter. Um, you know, or you're not. looking at a guy like... Edwards, who can possibly, he's at short season right now, possibly get moved up. I agree with Herat Encarnacion already probably should have been, uh, you know, promoted higher than he was. So that'll be, it'll be interesting to see and follow the rest of the year. Uh, we already touched a little bit. Um, actually, remind me, did we touch a little bit on Sixto Sanchez? We did not, not yet, no. Because no. that was our conversation beforehand. I mean, Sixto Sanchez is someone who could get promoted as well. I I'll let y'all, you talk about it now because I, yeah, that was right before we started recording. Sixto Sanchez has been looking good. And Sixto Sanchez is likely someone who, for as crazy as it sounds, might actually be someone we see in September at the Major League Ball Club. But I'll let Ian mm -hmm. talk about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who I think Sixto needs as much time as, as anybody to be the pitcher the best pitcher he can be but i was able to see him throw his first my, the first start i was able to see him throw this year live was a saturday and he looked electric i mean the the instant comparison i made watching him on the mound was a johnny Cueto with more velocity love that i mean the kid just dominated dominated the quality lineup i mean alex Kellerov was in was in the two hole lewin diaz was in the was in the bat and cleanup it was it was a good lineup he was facing um, <clears throat> this week in Pens from Pensacola, and he came out there and threw, I think, eight, uh, seven innings, struck out eight, uh, got the win, two earned. He had a couple hard hit balls to center, but there were two doubles that really he limited the damage on. I mean, the kid's got electric stuff. F the fastball is effortless. The changeup is sometimes somewhere in the mid-80s every time, and it's, it's keeping hit – excuse me, somewhere in the low 90s every time, and it keeps hitters off balance with that plus-plus fastball. He's a guy I think is going to maybe make one more start in Jacksonville. He went seven innings this past weekend. I think if he makes another start like that, he'll be promoted. And I, re I really don't know where at this point with how the promotions are moving at the Marlins right now. Yeah, I think his innings will be limited. So if there's going to be a start where there's maybe a spot start, he could be added to a 40-man down the road. But that's just extreme speculation. I don't think they're going to rush this guy at all. I think he'll end up in pitching three to five starts in new orleans however you shake it i don't think if he sees a, a major league roster it'll be more than one start but um yeah this kid is really 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 good um i know everybody's talked about him and he's high on prospect list but i had never seen him live and i wanted to talk about him since i finally seen him live and he's only 20 
So, yeah. man, man, I know people have called him the baby Pedro before, and that's the, the high ceiling, so I'm not going to call him that yet. But if we can get Johnny Cueto out of him, I'm, I'm even excited mm-hmm. about that. And, and I'll say one thing with Sixto um, really quickly. When we're having the conversation about him possibly coming up in September, none of us here on the podcast are actually saying that, you know, we're, we're welcoming that with full arms or that we need him to be up here in September. But he has pitched to the point that now it could be a part of the conversation of options. I think that's where mm-hmm. at least I would present that, you you know, where before we were talking about, look, we're going to limit innings, which is something that'll probably still happen. I don't really want to see him in September this year, but he has somewhat shown us that it could at least be an option. Do you agree with that, Ethan? Yeah, um, I personally don't think the Marlins should throw him past August just because you got to be careful with this guy. He's only 20 and you just saw like Jordan Hicks just went down today with an elbow injury. Uh, you don't. You know, he had elbow troubles last year. You don't want to risk that too much. So, you know, it seems like he he threw like 87 pitches. So it seems like the Marlins have been capping him around 90, which I think is good. Um, You know, he's he's pitching so well. And like we you know, we talked about just last week, we talked about how he's been good, um, but we haven't seen that seven innings, you know, one run ball or whatever, you know, with high strikeouts. Well, damn it, it it. It happened, guys. Like this, it finally happened. Uh, his line yes yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, I, it was Saturday. I think. Saturday. Uh, yeah, seven innings, seven hits, two runs, no walks, nine Ks. Uh, there it is. Like there, there's your start, right? If you were worried about him, be worried no more, um, because that was the start we've all been looking for for so long. You know, two runs, didn't walk anybody, in control, nine strikeouts. He threw like. I think it was 71 strikes on 87 pitches, which is just ridiculous. Like that's just unheard of. In Um, in in high high 90s degree weather, just yeah, pounding. It's it's hot out there, man, in Jacksonville. And he he uh, and if you look at his numbers, like 40 45 innings in Jacksonville now, and uh, he's got it rolling, man. I mean, his numbers look really really good after that start. Uh, Three. Three ERA on the dot. His FIP is even lower at two three nine. Um, his case per nine is up to eight point eight zero. Um, uh, let's look at some of these other numbers. Not giving up a ton of home runs. His strikeout rate is about twenty three percent. His walk rate is below four percent. Um, he, he he's just been really good and getting better with every start. And it's kind of like pinnacled into this this last start and. You know, I didn't really think that New Orleans or the MLB was a possibility this year until we were talking before the show, Ian, and you mentioned that. Um, but if he makes one more start like that, I mean, there's no reason not to uh, move him up. You know, if he's going to dominate this kind of competition, let him get some more competition. But I think it's okay to keep him in double A and let him just like, you know, we always talk about marinating and let him sit in double A and keep pitching really well and get more of these um, types of starts out of him. But yeah, I'm not going to argue against the Marlins moving him along quickly. I just, the one thing I would be careful of is rushing him to the bigs because, you know, right now, like there's not really a need for him because eventually like Caleb's going to have to come back and you know, what, what are we going to do with that? And then Pablo's going to have to come back and what are we going to do with that? So with the way this staff is pitching right now, I don't see a need for Sixto. 
but I'm not going to complain if I get to go see him at Marlins Park this year. Like, why Why the hell would I complain about that based off of what Ian was saying yesterday, you know, or just now about how he's ready and he looks amazing and he's Johnny, you know, he looks like Johnny Cueto. I mean, I love watching Johnny Cueto pitch, so I would love to see him up at the bigs this year. But even right now with the even the way he pitched last night, I'd say that's kind of a pipe dream still. Similar to Sixto Sanchez, someone who you're going to see quite often on the top of the prospect list is Monte Harrison. And last week, we spoke about the fact that he might have been dealing with some hamstring issues. He was being kept out of the lineup, um, but he was supposedly healthy. They were just being safe with him. Well, over his last 15 plate appearances or so, he's slugging almost 700. He has two homers in the week. Lewis Brinson's another person that I'm going to want y'all to kind of update. And quite frankly, it's the emails that I keep getting are about that uh, for all the hate that is on Twitter about Lewis Brinson. People that apparently listen to us actually want us to update on what we're seeing with Brinson. So when you're talking about that combo down in New Orleans, uh, Lewis Brinson and Monte Harrison, are, is there anything that sticks out for you guys? I know we just spoke about Brinson last week, but um, Ian, I'll let you go first. Anything that you're looking at, anything that you're excited about this week? Um, this week, I mean, the continued approach. I mean, he's still hitting the ball extremely hard. I mean, He's got his. He's got his. Uh, OBP is still in the mid mid three seventies. You know his numbers look good down in AAA, and you know he's just doing his thing, man. And if he's hitting, I'm happy. You know, so sounds good. And, and and really, what I'll highlight there again is it's nice to see Monte healthy, and it's nice to see him hitting yeah. for some amount of power as soon as he came back. You know, no fears of lingering concern there with the leg or whatever the case may be. So happy to have Monte back. Happy to have him healthy. Happy to have him swinging hard. Uh, to some trending position players, and I'm going to go with one that'll get some eye rolls as well. But Victor Victor Mesa, right? Someone we're going to continue to talk about because he's one of our top prospects, but also because he's somewhat disappointed, right? Over the last mm-hmm. 10 days, his slash is 320, 357, 320. That tells you two things. Number one, he's going to continue to make contact because that's what he does. He actually is getting somewhat on base at the moment, at least this week, but there's just zero power. I mean, there's just nothing. There's no. no extra base hits. There's no, there's nothing, right? Here's the other thing and the other part of that, because that's the concern is that he's not hitting for power. It was never supposed to really be a part of his game, but goodness, you want to see something. You want to see some level of ISO, mm-hmm. some level of uh, isolated power. The other part of his game, though, is that a little fun fact with him is he has the lowest K percentage amongst all qualified Marlins players in the entire system <laughs> from the beginning to the end. So from the major league to the lowest ranks that you can get, he is striking out less than everybody else, which means that his tools continue to be shown. He still has elite speed. He's doing uh, perfectly fine on the defense from all the metrics we can see uh, with the glove. And he is making solid bat-to-ball contact, but there's just no power there. It's something we're going to want to continue seeing. It's, it's something that, quite frankly, I believe for the year he has one double and I think three <laughs> triples, actually. <laughs> uh, so so uh, something that we want to see, I'm sure that you guys can echo that, that even though he has a low K percentage and he has high contact rate, you need to see a little bit more power from him to be a, a really bona fide prospect. Yeah, definitely. But the good thing is that uh, the thing I want to see him do more is just get on base because he can use his speed so well. I mean, he's used his speed all year uh, when he has the chance to get on base. You know, so... He's been, I think he's been walking a little more recently. And like you said, Danny, like he's just not striking out at all, uh, which is, you know, has all year has been the one bright spot for him. But yeah, come on, put the ball to the warning track, kid. Like stop landing it in front, you know, just getting these like bloop 
uh, singles and stuff, you know, that are landing in front of guys. But 12.5% K rate, you know, if he can hit a little more, his OBP is 50 points higher than his average, and he's gotten the average up a little more with a couple nice games this week. Like, just start putting something together. And, like, I think eventually, like, he has such – like, they've talked about his swing is good, and he's such a good hitter that eventually he'll get some kind of power, you know, with maybe some, you know, a – a couple doubles. Yeah, he's got one double and three triples. So um, if he can just get some kind of power, but for now it's just, let's get that average up because we are expecting him to hit, you know, up around 300. So for now, I'm just hoping he can string some hits together. And the thing with Victor Victor Mesa, at least in my yeah. eyes, is, again, this is a kid who came over from Cuba and he defected and whatever the case may be. He hasn't seen live pitching in two years. We know all of the reasons why we're not necessarily panicking that this is happening. With me, it's are you coachable, number one? Are Two, can you mm-hmm. put on some amount of weight? He's not the smallest guy in the world, but clearly it's not translating to either his bat path or what whatever angle he's hitting at. It's just mm-hmm. ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. And like Ethan said, even the hits that you get film on are the blue pits that fall right behind the infielder, but right in front of the outfielder. So we're not getting much uh, gap-to-gap power here. Is he coachable? We, we don't know that, right? We're not going to pretend to know that. Can he change his mechanics a bit to add some loft, uh, not lengthening his swing, but add some loft to his swing? And is there anything there that can unplug a little bit more power because he has to have something? We can't have a zero isolated mm-hmm. power. It's not, you're not going to be a major yeah. league hitter like that. Um, Ian, is there anything that you've seen or anything you want to see? Uh, I mean, from... Since spring training, the swing I've seen from Victor Victor Mesa is not one that's going to lend to power. His bat speed is lacking. That, I think, it leads to the most problems with his power is he controls zone, but he cannot get the barrel through the zone at a speed or any velocity that he needs to. He hasn't had an extra base hit now since June 3rd. It's <laughs> like, I think, 16 games or something. Um, it's it's rough to see. I mean, his bat path is extremely straight. There's not much loft to it, and it's slow. So he's getting the barrel on the ball, and it's he's got so much foot speed and so much quickness that he's beating ground balls out, and he's squeaking them past <clears throat> squeaking them past third basemen and first base. So his 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 extra base hits so far this year have been have been even been worrisome to some to some, and um, that I think is his biggest problem so far is the speed of the game is really just not there for him yet. He's got such an advanced approach and he can control the zone so well that he's getting hits, but the bat speed is just not there yet. And I think it's going to come with time. It's definitely worrisome to see. And with his age being 22, almost 23 years old, we're going to have to start seeing some progression. And if he is coachable, like you said, Danny is a big question mark as well. But um, going forward, the, the the strikeouts are, are not are non-existent, but the walking still needs to go up, and hitting for power just has to happen. And I think it, I think he'd be there. I think he's gonna have a chance to be a decent prospect going forward. And um, I'm excited to see what we can see for the rest of this year. I mean, seeing this past week, I think he's got five RBIs in the past three games, which is nice. But the power, just give me some power. Yeah, one quick thing I want to touch on, Danny, is like. The, the thing that's been worrisome all year has been the ground ball rate. Um, but actually, there's a bit of a positive there right now. Um, his ground, It's crazy to say with his ground ball rate still being 57.1, but it was up above 60 um, mm-hmm. not too long ago. It was like 62, I think, not too long ago. So, yeah, he's still putting the ball on the ground 57% of the time. But um, 
if he can cut that down more and more and start hitting some line drives, like that'll be good. Um, and he's cut it down 5%, you know, recently. So if he can just start putting the ball in the air more, like that'll be good. But yeah, it might take an off season for him to, you know, get some more bat speed and put some weight on and, you know, switch up the swing a little bit to get some more loft. So we'll have to see, but you know, like you said, Danny, like, no panic. I mean, we've talked about all year that there's just no reason to panic. But yeah, like next year is is probably the make or break year for him because there won't be that excuse of well he hasn't seen pitching in two years because now he has and um, we'll see we'll see how he keeps going this year. Yeah, something that sticks out with me with Victor Victor Mesa is Craig Mish of Swings and Mishes uh, had Gary Dembo on his podcast, and Dembo said something to the extent of, "When we get a new player here, we let we don't tinker and mess with their swing for X amount of months because we mm-hmm. let the player do what they've done, mm-hmm. and then yeah, we will tinker, months. right?" So that could very much be a case with Victor Victor Mesa where yes. we see yeah. a completely different swing or mechanics at the plate by the time that we're in the off season, because this kind of what happened with Monte, right? right? Like Monte talked to us about it. Like he, you know, last year he still had the high leg kick and wasn't doing, you know, the things we've seen him now. And then all of a sudden he went to Arizona and sat down with the big wigs and look at what he's doing now, you know? Which is, by the way, a fantastic player developmental theory. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, a fantastic developmental player theory, yeah. player theory. When I when I heard him say that, this is why he was one of the architects of the great Yankees. I mean, I'm not going to change your swing. I'm not going to tell you what to do from day one because I'm no one to tell you what to do. I'm going to make my assessment over, what was it, Ian, six months? Six months, I believe, yeah. Over six months, I'm going to be thoughtful and mindful and insightful on it. And then we're going to sit down and change things. And if that's what happened with Monte, which it seems like it's the case, it can definitely be with VVM, Mm -hmm. with Mesa. And that's the first thing that came to mind. You know, he's very much an unfinished product. I believe only 22 at the moment. Let's see. Uh, let's see what happens when they start to turn the gears a little bit and change some things. Um, I'm going to give the floor to you guys to talk about any players you want to highlight, but I'm going to say one last guy because I mentioned him last week. Will Stewart continues to impress after, again, those two outings with those two innings that inflated his ERA and really was just a bad outing on his part. Over the last calendar month, 31 innings pitched, 2.03 ERA, 18 Ks to seven walks. So it's nice to see Will Stewart, again, another friend of the show, bounce back from that um, early difficulty that he was having after he came to see us, quite frankly. I was a little scared that no one else was going to want to come <laughs> yeah, talk to us. Yeah, jinx. Like, right after, it was like three, two, three starts that were rough. Um, so it's good to see him get back on the horse, per se. And, and just one more guy, Alberto Guerrero, which was my under-the-radar guy over the last calendar month, 30 innings pitch, 2.48 ERA, 27 Ks. So some nice pitching from players that you might not hear or see at the top of the rankings or in the national media. Um, I'm always going to be the one that wants to bring out those guys. But, Ian, I'll let you highlight anyone you might want to highlight before we get to our segments. Well, I just got one guy just because we got to talk about it every week. Can't leave him alone. That's Asan Diaz. I mean, another sure. 10 days, another raking week for him. It's got, I think, six extra ba- or five extra base hits with two homers, two doubles, and a triple. He's got an on-base percentage of 419 over the last 10 days. I mean, what more can you ask from this kid? He just keeps tearing it up. I'm so excited to see him here in a couple months. So uh, that's all I have to say about trending players. We're going to hit on some more guys in our segments. So I'm just going to leave it at that, yeah. What do you have, Ethan? Uh, I can't believe nobody's talked about this guy yet. I mean, we talked about him in the promotion segments, but what a way to go out in the 
uh, what a way to bow out of Jupiter for uh, Eddie Cabrera. Uh, just a tremendous outing. Five innings, four hits, one run, two walks, um, and eight strikeouts. I'm so happy he's in Jacksonville. He deserves it. Uh, he's been possibly the best arm in the system this year. Um, probably the best arm in the system this year. He's been outstanding, um, and he has earned this promotion. Uh, we've talked about it so much, and I don't have to tweet Jacksonville a thousand times a day anymore to get the Marlins to move this guy up. Uh, he's going up. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do, um, and he, all credit to him, man. He earned this. I didn't think he was going to get to Jacksonville this year, um, but – Feeling. There is no reason to keep him in Jupiter anymore, especially with a spot opening up in Jacksonville. Let him go to Jacksonville. Let him sit down with Sixto. Let those guys start plotting, um, and and let's see what, what happens now. I'm really excited to see him in Jacksonville soon. Yeah, just some K numbers on Cabrera and on Sixto Sanchez because I bolded them here because they're just impressive. Over the last 30 days, Eddie, 27 Ks to six walks. Over the last 30 days, Sixto, 35 Ks to four walks. I mean, just ridiculous, ridiculous. It, it's, it's beautiful to see them in Jacksonville. And I'll say this, you know, a, a player and especially a pitcher can get promoted from anywhere. I mean, we've seen guys get promoted from high A all the way to the major leagues. But for me, when they get to double A, that's really where I say they're right on the door. You know, I don't need to mm -hmm. see a pitcher get to triple A to expect the promotion up no. to the major leagues. A lot of people have that misconception and, and maybe I'm just wrong in my opinion. But mine is that when they get to double A, that's the real show. And at that moment forward, we could be seeing a Eddie Cabrera and a Sixto Sanchez up at the big leagues by opening day of next year, which I know sounds crazy because of the age. And I'm not saying that's what I would do. But with them being in double A, it's a big, big step for their careers. And just congratulations to them. Absolutely. All right, Ian, take us to your segment. Okay, well, hitters and pitchers of the week. I mean, I'm going to stick with Batavia. We haven't really talked about him that often today. And I got a couple guys that aren't being talked about too much in the in the regular media and uh, the prospect media, and that's Remy Reed for the Pitcher of the Week. Uh, he's kind of an older prospect at 24 years old. Uh, he's been a reliever for most of his college and <clears throat> major league career, or minor league career. He missed six months last year after making just two relief appearances in April. So he's came out this year, made two starts through 10 innings, had five hits, had no earned runs, walked or struck out 15, he's walked one guy. Uh, he's, he's got a, he's got a plus plus fastball that's hit 97. He's got a slider that, that breaks off the plate that kind of resembles a, a plus power slider that someone like a, like a Noah Syndergaard throw, th throws, excuse me. Um, the kid's got some nasty stuff, but he's just hasn't stayed healthy. His elbow just hasn't held up for him. So it's a big year to see what he's done in this past week. He's just really looked phenomenal. Um, I expect him to move up pretty quickly if this happens. So, um, that's a guy to keep it. That's a guy to keep your eyes on. Another one is our 23rd round pick from this year, and that's Nick Reedy. Uh, that's Randy Reedy's son. He was a Jacksonville manager last year. Um, he's an Air Force Air Force grad who's been raking so far for, for Bactavia. He's played in eight games. He's got on base seven out of eight games. He's hitting 333, 344, and slugging 633. He's got four doubles, a triple, a homer. The kid's got plus power. He won the, the college home run derby last year. Um, he's got a he's got a lot of potential, and I was reading online. There's a uh, a waiver that Air Force grads can sign that 
allow them to play baseball if there's a Olympics coming up. So if he's supposedly training to be on the Olympic team, he can play baseball. So that's something to look out for that he can continue his career instead of serving his duty. Um, those are my guys this week. They're kind of under the radar, but they've been really exciting to watch. Yeah, it really feels like an under the radar segment. I like it. <laughs> I, yeah, I like it. Go ahead, go ahead. There's, there's been a couple of those dominant performances from under the radar guys in Batavia. Like that, this kid, uh, Jackson Rose, he was a 35th round pick last year out of Minnesota. And he went five innings, five hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Like there have been a couple of those in Batavia. So it's cool to see like some of these guys that you don't really know about don't really hear about but in batavia man like they've had some really really good pitching performances i'm really excited for your things we love to see i could see what's coming up yeah <laughs> i well, can see uh, what's coming up go for it but let's go for it right now because i actually just logged on to instagram double tasking and i saw nasim posted a story a video on his story of his infield single from today and this kid can fly Oh my God. Like he got an infield single and he didn't even draw a throw, uh, gets out of the box really quickly. Uh, he went three for five today, uh, with three singles in the GCL, which is awesome to see him have, you know, not have zeros in the column for too long, like in the batting average column, not have triple zeros up there. Um, see him get rid of those right away and go three, three for five is awesome. Uh, another guy that, um, part of that, part of that first bullet is Tristan Pompey. Just seeing him back in a lineup is just really good. Uh, I'm really excited about that. I love that because, uh, you know, we didn't really know what was going on with him and I hope everything is okay with him. Um, and just to see him back in a lineup, he had a nice day. He went one for three with a walk and uh, three RBIs. So good. Glad the GCL is going. There's a lot of exciting guys there that you're going to want to keep your eyes on. Um, and there was a, a nice, uh, Victor Mesa drew two walks today, which is awesome. So that's really good. Uh, and then the next thing is Monte back at it again, you know, was out for a few days and then first game back hit a home run. So that's awesome for him. Um, just keeps raking. He's back in the lineup tonight. And finally they, they looked like they were easing him back in. He's started a couple of games in a row though. And then, uh, yeah, we touched on Mesa earlier. He had a three hit and a four hit game this week. And, you know, that's just good just to see him hitting the ball and, and getting on base because that's what we need from him is just to get on base. So um, three hits and four hits, you know, I don't care if they're all infield singles. That's always exciting. So uh, it's good to see him actually putting the ball in play and getting some hits. And, uh, yeah, man, that's my things we love to see this week. Hashtag TWLTS. Check. All right, so we're going to wrap it up with my under the radar, and I might as well, like, I don't know, tribute this section to uh, the Pac-Man. That's someone on Twitter the who loves <laughs> yeah. love that guy. <laughs> who loves Milton Smith II. Very fancy name. Uh, my under the radar guy, lefty, lefty. He's only 21 at the moment. He's an outfielder. He's a 22nd round uh, pick in 2018 and last year he showed that he could hit the ball he right that he could make contact he absolutely raked. that he could get on base again we're not gonna have a lot of power but his slash last year 352 in rookie ball 433 on base 410 slugging he walked 11.5 percent of the time only struck out 17 percent of the time and he's just someone that's going to use that speed he has a good glove in the outfield and again bat to ball 
contact. He hasn't disappointed this year. Now, of course, only 23 plate appearances so far in short season, but he's hitting 429, getting on base 45% of the time with a slug of 429. And again, walking at a 4.3% while not striking out only at a 4.3% as well. He could also run the base paths a little bit, has a stolen base so far this year. I mean, he is someone who's not going to have the highest ceiling in the world, right? Like, I know the Pac-Man mm-hmm. would have him number one, okay? If, if he could, I, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, not going to have the highest ceiling in the world, but someone who is a fun piece to monitor going forward because when you have speed, when you have bat-to-ball contact, and when you have a knack to getting on base, you're someone that should be highlighted. Danny, you talked about his strikeout percentage, that 4.3%. He's only struck out once this year in seven yep. games. That's yep. insane. That's crazy. Just yeah, the kid the knows how to make contact. Just hits the ball, man. I mean, you can't ask for more than that, right? You can't ask for more than a guy just hitting the ball all the time. And, okay, if I'm being fair, apparently, I've never met Milton Smith the second, but Pac-Man has. He's, like, a really nice guy. I mean, that's yeah, why he's his favorite that. prospect. He's a real nice guy who's fast, can make the play in the outfield, and can put the bat to the ball. All right, fellas, any last thoughts, or are we ready to have and enjoy the rest of our day? Oh, man. Shout out Pac-Man. <laughs> yes, and, and check out. Danny's submission for social media night for the Marlins it is fantastic. If you guys are active on Twitter, I highly, I highly think you guys will be on this shirt. So check that out. Give it a like or a retweet. I mean, it's awesome. You need, you need to definitely check that out. Yeah, yeah man, I'm that's actually give... a really nice idea that they made. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. And your shirt's great, Danny. And I'm going to give another shameless plug to my article. I yes, haven't written in it. a long time, but it felt really good. I love writing, and it felt really good to get back. And uh, I appreciate the love I've gotten so far from some of you guys and uh hope you guys yeah, from, keep from, checking it out, man. Was it it's Craig awesome. Minervini who, who yeah, endorsed that was it? Cool. Yeah. That was really cool. So um just I, I love when you guys give us feedback and I appreciate the love and check out my article. It was uh I felt really proud of it. Absolutely. All right, fellas. I hope you all have a good one. As always, if you enjoyed listening, yep. go ahead and subscribe. Find us wherever plat- uh, podcasts are found. We love y'all and go fish. Talk.